Amen. Amen. And Father, we know that you are good and you are with us and we belong to you and therefore we have nothing to fear because you will hold us. Nothing can snatch us from your hand. And so, Lord, we thank you that nothing can separate us from your love in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, that's that's what we celebrate today. That's what we rejoice in. That's how we move forward in life, Lord, with the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us, the knowledge of your great love for us. So, Lord, help us now to hear from your word to be transformed by your spirit working through your word. Give us steps that we can take in our life that we might honor you in everything we do and say. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm so thankful for our band. I'm thankful for all the talent that the Lord has given us as a church. Amen. I don't believe you. You're going to have to try that again. Amen. Hey, you can do that. That's awesome. It's different outside, isn't it? It's a little different, but uh, that just means we have to be louder. That's the way it works. So I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, as we, as I was thinking through what to say on a graduate recognition Sunday, when we have such special people that are, are going to the next phase in their life, the next stage of what God has for them. So I was thinking through all of this. I, I didn't want to preach a sermon that was simply for graduates. I wanted to preach a sermon that really has huge implications for our own lives. And, and as I was thinking through this and praying through this uh, over the last few weeks, this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 has been what I've gone back to as I think about what we're all enduring right now and what we've been enduring for the past few months. As I think back on my life and really the past almost 13 years of pastoring here, and I think of the things that we've walked through and how the Lord has brought us each step of the way and and, and I want to come to this place of Hebrews chapter 12 and to talk about this theme, running with endurance. And that sounds pretty straightforward since the passage literally tells us to run with endurance. So that didn't take a whole lot of skill on my part to come up with the title. But I'm not sure we understand what endurance is. I'm not sure that we quite get what endurance is. But I wanted to read the passage of Scripture, and I want to talk about endurance today. Because I think maybe, maybe we're going about life a little, well, let's just put it wrong. We may be going about life in a way that feels like more like we're running in sprints. Are you like me in that way, that it seems like we're trying to get a victory every day or every week, and we're running a sprint, and... We finish it and we go, oh, good, finish that one, on to the next one. I don't know about you, but that gets tiring to run sprint after sprint after sprint looking for something and a reward at the end of every sprint. And I'm not sure that that's the way God intended it for us as his people. And so I think this passage of Scripture speaks a little more poignantly to how we need to be dealing with life right now, how we need to be looking at graduation, at the coronavirus, at all of the unrest and unsettlement in our world right now, and I, and I pray that it will be an encouragement to you. So just follow along in your copy of God's Word, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that therefore since is a really interesting way to begin a verse, isn't it? Therefore, therefore, therefore because is kind of the way he puts it. Therefore because. So you have to look back at chapter 11, and if you know anything about Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the hall of faith. So full of people from the Old Testament, saints from the Old Testament, people who never actually attained all of the glory and all of the reward that they were waiting for, but they walked faithfully in faith 
in what was to come. They set their eyes on a city that was coming. They didn't live as people of this world. They lived as sojourners in this world. They lived for something that was greater and for a kingdom that was coming. And since we are surrounded by them, is what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. Since we're surrounded by them, let us also, just like them, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured. Consider Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. When you grow weary and faint-hearted, when running this race is hard, consider Jesus. In your struggle, in all of your running and in your enduring against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. I think sometimes when we come to that passage, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. We focus on the discipline there, and it's right. We want to see that everything that's working in our life right now, if we're a child of God, is disciplining us. But pay attention to the end of that passage, the end of that verse. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He disciplines the one he loves. He doesn't discipline those who are outside of this saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. No, punishment will be what they will reap in the end unless they receive Jesus Christ as Lord. No, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, he's disciplining us because he loves us. And he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Isn't that true? Every time discipline comes, every time hardship comes, it seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You've lived that out in your life at this point, haven't you? Where you've been able to see backwards and see the sweetness of what God has done even through the hardship. And so he tells us this, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. When you grow weary or faint-hearted, consider Jesus and then lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And then make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Yes, this is a massive message for graduates, but it's also really a message for all who are called to endure, for all believers. And so when I see and I read in this passage, run with endurance, I think we first have to come to that to terms with the idea of what running with endurance looks like. What is endurance? And endurance kind of poses a problem. I don't know if you guys have noticed this about endurance. There are at least four problems that I picked out when it comes to endurance. And and unless we deal with these problems, we're never going to run with endurance. The first problem is this. Endurance is hard. That's really profound, isn't it? Endurance is hard. If it was easy, they wouldn't call it endurance. 
Endurance is hard, and we don't like hard. We like the path of least resistance. It is by nature that we will follow the path of least resistance in our lives. If we can find the easy way, we're going to find the easy way. If we can get away with it, we're going to get away with it. But endurance is hard. Graduates, you've endured. Parts of it weren't easy. All of us have to endure, and endurance is hard. That's a problem with endurance. We're not not really ready for hard most of the time. Secondly, endurance takes a long time. Once again, Brad speaking profound truth today. Endurance is hard, and endurance takes a long time. That's the meaning of endurance. But we don't want things to take a long time. We want them now. We want to see the transformation in our lives now. We want to see the fruit of our labor now. We want to see all the promises fulfilled now. Hebrews chapter 11 is full of people who waited a lifetime, and their lifetimes were longer than ours. They were living a lot longer than we were. And they're waiting a lifetime to get the reward and the promise. Third, endurance means we don't decide when to quit. The race is already marked out for us. Isn't that what verse 1 tells us? The race that is set before us is the race we're to endure and run. We don't get to decide when to quit. We like to be the masters of our own destiny. We like to be the masters of our own domain. We want to decide what we do and when we do it and how long we do it. And endurance becomes a problem. Fourth problem that I see with endurance is this. Endurance often feels like we're being punished. In the middle of the hardship, it feels like we're being punished, doesn't it? Often it doesn't feel like love, it doesn't feel like grace, it doesn't feel like mercy. Our first question oftentimes in the middle of hardship that we need to endure is, what did I do wrong to deserve this? We begin to look at our own lives and we say, "What, what do I need to change in order to get out of this? When really what we learn in this passage is that God disciplines his children, he doesn't punish us. And so the writer of Hebrews here addresses all of these concerns, all of these problems with endurance in today's passage. And so today I want us to think about what we've been enduring. Graduates, you've worked hard. Some of you have worked hard, right? Can't say that about all of you, but some of you have worked hard. Some for 13, 17, 21 years of school, good teachers, bad teachers. Then all of a sudden you get to the end of it and there's no prom. Get to the end of it and there's no fun of senior year. Half your senior year is cut short. You're graduating online all of a sudden or drive-through graduations or who knows what graduation is going to look like. All of that hard work and so much endurance, and all of a sudden this stupid coronavirus comes around and changes everything. Others have endured job changes, financial difficulty, no church meetings, isolation from friends and family. Others are constantly enduring injustice, danger, pain, loss, humiliation. The fact of the matter is hard. the hard work of endurance is a part of every human life. Every life, the hard work of endurance is a part of every life. And so I want to give us pause for just a second, because it would be really easy for all of us to stop right now. And here we are out on the lawn, and this is a beautiful sight. 
It's a beautiful sight to be able to all gather together on this lawn and to be able to worship together and to sing together. We missed it for like three months. We weren't able to do this. And now we're back together and, and things are looking good and we're moving in the right direction. You could go eat inside a restaurant now. I'm not sure that you only get to eat half your food or is it only half the people get to be in the restaurant? Which one is it? But 50% something in the restaurants. But you can eat in a restaurant now. Like, we're moving forward. This is great. It's awesome. And it will be really easy for us right now to stop in the middle of all of this and go pat ourselves on the back and say, way to go, we made it. I mean, how many graduation uh, announcements and celebrations are, you made it. We made it. We can give ourselves our air high fives and say we did it. But I don't want to entirely burst your bubble, but I am good at doing that, so I thought I'd try today. What if, here's the question, what if this endurance is really just a training for the greater endurance needed for the rest of our lives? What if what we've gone through for the past 13, 17, 21 years, or the last three months, is really just practice for the rest of our lives? What if we're not meant to pat ourselves on the back? What if, if we were to go around air high-fiving saying we made it, we'd be like the guy who was running the race, and it was eight laps, and he came around on the seventh lap and thought he was finished, and he comes to the finish line, hands raised, crosses the finish line, and stops and goes, "Woo! that was a good race, while everybody runs right past him and finishes the last lap. It's not a good scene. You become the butt of every joke. And the fact of the matter is, I think some of us live our lives as if, as if each lap is a race in and of itself, when really each lap is meant to train us for the next lap. What if, in God's great plan and God's great grace, all of this trial and tribulation is really simply a training ground for the real race still to be run? What if this is practice? For anybody who's ever been to practice... Do you really like practice, or do you really look forward to the meat? Look forward to the meat. You look forward, you know, practice stinks. You gotta work harder, you gotta sweat more, you gotta, it's, it stinks. You gotta swim more laps, right? You gotta run more, you gotta, gotta lift more weights, you gotta do all the things that, Get your body in shape, but we don't like practice very much. But what if? What if all of this that we've been through is actually just practice? I believe that's what the writer of Hebrews is actually wanting us to consider today. That our lives are not made up of short sprints with a finish line that we win every time we cross the finish line, but are really a lifelong marathon with each lap preparing us for the next lap and the next lap and the next lap. And I'll tell you, as I've tried to embrace this way of living, as I look at Hebrews chapter 12, and I try to embrace that way and that thought about life, I want to give you several truths from this passage that have given me hope and strength in the middle of all of that. And I pray that they're an encouragement to you as well. The first is this. As I have to endure, I am not the first person to have to endure. And neither are you. 
No matter how unique your situation seems to be, you are not the first person to have to endure. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. That means they had to do it. That means they had to lay aside that weight. They are the cloud of witnesses that's already been through what we're going through. They've already had to endure. I'm not the first to have to endure. No, others have endured, and they've won the race. They got to the end of their life faithful, in faith, in the Lord. This is what Hebrews 11 is all about. And every last one of us, every last one of them and every last one of us is strengthened by the enduring of Jesus. Look back at verse 2. Looking to Jesus. We run this race with endurance, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus endured the cross so that you and I can endure to the end. This is, this is full of hope and strength for the graduate and for every believer. I find strength in the fact that I'm not the first to have to endure. The second truth I want you to see in this passage is, I'm not alone right now as I endure. I'm not alone in the enduring. Look back at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, not only did they go through the enduring, now they're in the stands and they're cheering us on as we endure. All of the saints who have gone before faithful to the end are now now cheering us on. I am cheered on by those who endured to the end. Not only do I have an example in them, I have, I have a fan section. They're, they're cheering me on. They're surrounding us as we move on. I can look at them and say, I can endure because they have endured and they stand with us. I am not alone in the enduring. I also have Jesus. Look back at the passage. Look at what it says. When I look to Jesus as I run this race, who is he? He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. I have Jesus as the starting line, and I have Jesus as the finish line of my race. I have Jesus at the starting line with the starter's pistol saying, go! And I have Jesus at the finish line where I can lift my eyes in the middle of the race, and I can see Jesus at the end, and I can say, no matter how long it takes, no matter how hard I have to run, no matter how long I have to run, Jesus is the goal. I'm getting to Jesus. I'm not alone in the enduring. The third truth I want you to see is I'm not powerless in the enduring. And neither are you. Look back at the passage. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. I have the ability right now to get this weight off my back called sin because I have Jesus. I don't have to run with all of this weight on me. I don't have to run with all of the things that would weigh me down as I run. I am not powerless. I can lay aside sins. I don't have to be like the rest of the world who carries all of their sin with them. My sin has been placed on Jesus, and now I can lay aside my sin. And every time I look up in this race as I endure and I see Jesus, I'm reminded of that. That he has taken my sin, so I don't have to carry it anymore. And so that's the other thing. What does he tell us to do? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And I want to encourage you today. I can see Jesus, therefore I am not powerless in this enduring. I can see Jesus who has perfectly endured on my behalf. So now I can walk in endurance. So I'm not the first to have to endure. 
I'm not alone in the middle of this enduring, and I'm not powerless in this enduring, but I'm also not despised in the enduring. Look back at the passage. Consider him, consider Jesus, verse 3, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. I am disciplined as a child of God. I am not despised. I'm loved. When I'm walking through this endurance of this race, it's not as if God is saying, hey, really don't like you a whole lot. Let's see how many hurdles I can put in your, in your way. God's not looking at the, at the race I have to run and saying, I really don't like Brad very much, so this month I'm just going to throw more hurdles in his way. No, every bit of the discipline of the enduring is an act of God's grace to make me more and more like Jesus because he loves me. Because he loves me. Have you ever thought in this way? Coronavirus is an act of God's grace and love for the believer. He wants us to trust him more. And this is a tool in his tool belt to help us trust him more. Oh, that we would look at all the things we must endure. Think about every bad teacher you had in school, graduates. If they're here today, don't look at them. They don't want to know. Okay? Think about every bad teacher that you had in school. They were a tool of God's grace in your life that you would be drawn to Jesus. Think of every bad boss you've ever had. They're a tool of God's grace to draw you to trust Him more. Every single hurdle to jump over in your life is, a, is part of the race marked out for you that you would become more like Christ. You're not despised in the enduring. No, you're loved as a child of God. You're loved in the middle of the discipline that God places you through. It, it doesn't feel good for a while, right? And in fact, that's what the passage says. Is The fact is, no discipline feels good in the moment. It all feels like punishment. But the good news of the gospel is this. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, Jesus took all the punishment. So you and I can be disciplined as sons and daughters. Let me put this another way. I'm not a good father when it comes to this. I can be straight up honest about that. My girls annoy me sometimes. Now, this will be a great time for some fathers in the crowd to nod in agreement that you understand with what I'm talking about. And not, not that my girls annoy you sometimes, that your kids annoy you sometimes, right? Sometimes when I need to discipline my girls, I don't discipline first out of love. It's not my first thought. It's, you, it's sometimes out of, I almost said usually, it's better for a pastor to say, it's sometimes... It's sometimes out of frustration, not out of love. I'm sometimes punishing them, not disciplining them. But our God is so good that all of the hatred towards sin and all of the punishment towards sin was poured out on Jesus so that those of us who are in Christ Jesus by grace through faith, guess what? We don't get punishment. 
We get discipline. Sometimes feels like punishment, but he loves us. And in his love, he's disciplining us to make us more and more like Christ. And that's the last point I want you to see. Not only am I not the first to have to endure, not only am I not alone in the enduring, not only am I not powerless in the enduring, and not only am I not despised in the enduring, I'm not hopelessly enduring. See, that's the hard part. When we get into the race and we don't get to decide when the end of the race is and when the end of enduring happens, we can feel like it's hopeless. Have you felt like you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel of this whole thing we're going through right now? Have you, have you felt like you just can't see the other side of it? I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how things are going to change. And I'm not sure what walking through this tunnel in darkness is going to look like. And here's what he tells us. There is a purpose for the enduring. Look back at the passage. The purpose is this. God's discipline will produce holiness in me. For the moment, all discipline, verse 11, says that it seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Verse 10 says it even more plainly. For they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he, God, disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. I am not hopelessly enduring. You are not hopelessly enduring. No, God's discipline will produce holiness in you and in me if we are his children. Every single thing you walk through will produce holiness in you as you trust Christ. God's discipline will bring peace through righteousness. He's not going to bring peace at all cost. He's going to bring peace through righteousness. He's going to bring peace with God through Jesus Christ. He's going to bring peace to your life and peace with others through the truth and through righteousness. Not peace at all costs. God's discipline will change us and deliver us from a life of hopelessness into now a life of holiness. So I want you to see today this plain truth. And I believe it's true because endurance takes a lifetime. Endurance is not for a sprint. Endurance is not for three months. And endurance isn't even for 21 years of school, if you got a master's degree, or longer. Endurance is for a lifetime. You don't get to quit now. Everything you've been going through up to this point has prepared you for the next lap. I want you to see today that what we've walked through so far is practice training for the endurance that will be necessary for the next lap and the next lap after that. And training is no fun. Training is not easy, but training is where we build up our endurance and our strength for the struggle ahead. I've had the opportunity over the past years to to coach in a lot of different ways and get get a chance to coach um, really talented athletes. And I've gotten a chance to coach some really dedicated athletes. And sadly, they often aren't the same kids. They'll be really talented without the dedication and really dedicated without the talent. I'll take a dedicated kid over a talented kid any day. One who will discipline himself or herself. One who will understand that practice is where a good player is made. One who understands that we don't need somebody who can make one great play every game. We need someone who can make every ordinary play during the game. Some of us are trying to live our lives, trying to sprint to win so we can hold up this victory and this glory. And I want you to know, do the normal things every day that God has called you to do. 
walk enduring each step of the race, knowing that it's going to take a lifetime. And there is a crown of glory awaiting us at the end. Not at halftime. So we're at halftime. For some of us, you're entering the fourth quarter. Some, you're in the two-minute warning. Some, you feel like you just started. Here's what I'll tell you. Practice. Practice. Because God's goal is not just to give you a good life. God's goal is to make you more like Jesus. He's going to accomplish his goal. And he's going to do it mainly through hardship that you must endure. How could you ever be like Jesus, who we call the suffering servant, if you never suffer? We'll become more and more like Jesus as we endure whatever is marked out in our race. So my challenge to graduates today and my challenge to all of us as believers in Christ, as those who are called to run this race of life with endurance, is this. And I'm going to ask the band to come up as I give this final challenge so they can lead us in a closing song. I want you to hear this challenge. First, follow the example of those who have run with endurance before you. If you don't have a an earthly example of somebody who has run that race and finished that race well, run to the Old Testament. <laughs> Read through Hebrews 11 in the New Testament and then go back to the Old Testament and learn about these saints. None of them were perfect. Abraham was a putz. The guy tried to pawn off and sell off his wife twice. And that's after taking a concubine. What? And he's a man of righteousness? Yes, because that's what God does. It's endurance. I want you to go and study their life. Don't be like them, but follow the example of faith and faithfulness. What it looks like to look forward to Jesus. And know that they are cheering you on. Second, discipline yourself for the race. Practice the presence of God in your life. Don't don't stop practicing. Because if you stop practicing, what you're going to do, instead of laying off all the things that would entangle you and weigh you down, you're going to start putting on all of the weight of sin and worldliness. Third, do not despise the discipline of the Lord. It is His grace toward you in this fallen world. Always look to Jesus. Fourth, Build every step on Him. Because ultimately, all the endurance and discipline will produce Christ-likeness in you. You will become like the one whom you set your eyes upon and your heart upon. You will become like the one you love most. And my desire is for you to set your eyes and your heart upon Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. I pray that today, whether online or here in person, that we would be people who would run to Jesus, that we would start this race, finish this race, run this race with endurance, knowing that Jesus is the one who is at the starting line and the one who is the ultimate finisher. Lord, I pray that we would look to Jesus when we grow weary and that we would build our lives not upon our own strength, but upon your goodness, your strength, your holiness, your perfection, and your presence. And Lord, for each step that we take in this race, give us every bit of endurance we need. As we look to Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.